As a way to honor all of the mothers on here, from now through Mother's Day weekend, you can grab the My Essential Birth course and get the new bonus birth affirmations track plus matching birth affirmation cards and get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot. Or you can be one of the first five to bundle and save grabbing the My Essential Birth and Postpartum course. And I will personally send you a handmade 100% muslin cotton belly bind with your bonus tutorial video. Plus you get all the bonuses from before the birth affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. Welcome to the My Essential Birth Podcast. I'm Courtney. And I'm Stephanie. And we're professional doulas, childbirth educators, and the creators of My Essential Birth, the holistic, empowering online childbirth education course helping mothers everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. So join us each week as we share tips and advice for all things pregnancy, birth, and beyond. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you can be the first to get new content. And head over to www.myessentialbirth.com for more information about our birth course and to join a community of mamas just like you. All right, so we're coming in hot today with... We're coming in hot today with What You Don't Know Can Hurt You. This is Courtney's theme song. I had to have her introduce it. I know. I say this all the time when it comes to birthing stuff. (laughs) So here's the important part. We've talked about it before, but you need to know your options because what you don't know can hurt you. And if you don't know your options, you might not have any. Here's an example or a couple examples of what that could look like when it comes to birth. So Example is episiotomies. This is like a crazy controversial subject. Why are you starting with episiotomies? I I feel like this is something that everybody's talking about. (laughs) Um, In case you don't know, an episiotomy (laughs) is a snip that your provider makes from your vagina towards your anus. Y'all, they're taking scissors in there and they are just cutting up your lady bits. Okay, that was way worse. Um, a little a little snip, as they say, as baby's crowning or getting close um, to help give more room. Now, this is an example. If you don't know that episiotomies are actually evidently based, rarely necessary, you may be unknowingly consenting to have your lady parts damaged. So, And it doesn't always turn out that way. Um, it does always turn out that you end up with stitches. It doesn't always turn out that you end up with painful intercourse or things like that after, but would you want to take the chance if you didn't have to? And it's likely because here's the thing, scissors are indiscriminatory. So you may have heard women talk about how, well, I tore a little when I was pushing. And the thing about your body naturally tearing is that it will naturally tear around um, major blood vessels and muscle Mm -hmm. and nerve endings and things like that. But you guys, those scissors, they don't discriminate and they cut right through all that stuff. And women have had, you know, I know we say that it doesn't happen to everyone and it doesn't, thankfully, but there are women who um, their sexual life forever after is completely ruined because they cannot have sexual intercourse without pain or they have um, major pelvic floor issues. And Mm -hmm. there's just all kinds of consequences that can come from having an episiotomy, but if you didn't know that it's not necessary or if you didn't know ways to avoid one through the right pushing positions and the right pushing techniques, 
then you're kind of left with at the mercy of whoever's wielding the scissors. <laughs> Which might not be the best thing to be left with. Okay, example number two. If you don't know that intermittent monitoring is an option, you could actually get stuck in bed. So um, let's explain. So intermittent monitoring, just in case you don't know, is when you see a pregnant mom in the hospital or anywhere and she's got the bands around her belly. There's usually two. So one is to monitor baby's heart rate and the other is to monitor the strength and the frequency and length of uterine contractions. And so there are these monitors are usually plugged into a screen. Um, and the problem with being hooked up to a monitor is that it really limits your freedom of movement. Yeah, and it also catches things that might not be an issue that can cause further intervention, and that's a whole another discussion for False another time. Yes, all yeah. kinds of stuff. Um, but basically, you have the option, even in a hospital setting, where they have policies and practices in place that require them, due to insurance and other things, to make sure that they're monitoring you so many minutes per so many hours, you do have the option um, to not have monitoring all the time. Now, keep in mind when we're talking about these things, these are generally low-risk birthing mamas. So um, you don't have to have the monitors on all the time, which means you don't need to be attached to something all the time. You don't need to have the discomfort of having the weight or something on your belly all the time. That's an option. So what happens then if you are doing continuous phenol monitoring, as it's called? Well, what can happen is you're in bed, you're on your back, and if you're on your back through most of your labor, your labor can slow down. It's more likely to stall. Um, you're going to experience some more discomfort if you don't have the freedom to move around. So if you didn't know that intermittent fetal monitoring was an option, then you might experience some of those consequences. Yeah, so more towards that it can hurt you. Um, another example is if you don't know that having a VBAC is actually proven to be just as safe as having had a birth without ever having a cesarean, you might actually believe a provider that tells you you need to have another one. Whether or not they're using scare tactics or whatever, um, that's actually not true. Right. So your provider might come to you and say, oh, well, I see on your chart here that you had a cesarean birth with your first baby. You know, it's safer for you to continue to have those with any other pregnancies. And, and that's not true. So what you risk by not knowing your options is having another cesarean birth. And that's another major abdominal surgery. Yeah. And each cesarean birth becomes a little more risky, particularly for mom. Let's go over, if we can, some examples of options during birth. Yeah. So <laughs> continue along these lines. If you don't have, if you don't know your options, you don't have any, well, let's tell you what some of your options are so that we open up a whole new world. <laughs> Sing it, Stephanie. No. <laughs> <laughs> a whole new world of, um, of possibilities for you and your birth experience. So you have the option to choose where you birth. Yep. Not everybody births in a hospital. Right. There are some amazing and beautiful birth centers that are open in all kinds of places. There's one down in Dallas, and I forget the name of it now, but I am like, I want to uproot to Dallas just so <laughs> I can give birth there. It's a gorgeous birth center, the most beautiful birth tub. It's awesome. You can also birth from the comfort of your own home. Yep, I've done it. It's amazing. Um, in fact, after after the home birth, which I felt slightly forced into and not super excited about to begin with, I thought, I never want to have to leave my house again to have a baby. It was so nice. No car, no going anywhere. I could wear what I wanted. I didn't forget anything at home. 
Um, and when I was done, I went right upstairs to my bed. That's the most Aww. walking I had to do. <laughs> there fabulous. is something special. I think being in a hospital bed versus your own bed, I think we all know where you're going to rest better. Yeah. Um, you have options in your care provider. So most people still in the United States choose an obstetrician as their care provider, and that's okay, but there are actually a lot of options out there. You have um, midwives and different kinds of midwives. There are certified nurse midwives who deliver in a hospital or out of hospital setting. You have your licensed midwives who are licensed to um, deliver at you know home or at a birth center. There's so many options for your care provider, and so you have the freedom to find one that is supportive of the kind of birth that you want to have. Absolutely. Um, inductions. Now, this might sound like a funny thing to say as an option uh, because it might be proposed to you that it's not an option. You might be told that if you hit your 40-week due date, which, by the way, is a guest date, and we can get into all the reasons that the 40-week due date can be a sham. Um, it's a sham. It's a sham. Um, but, I mean, there's there's so many reasons and things that you can do if you're told that, you've had, that you need to have an induction or to avoid an induction. Um, some of those things can even include checking on dates that you're being required to have an induction. Is it coming up to a long weekend? Are there holidays involved? Is it close to Christmas? Those kinds of things. We won't holidays them, are but. not a reason for an induction. And, and what Stephanie is trying to say here is that even approaching your 40-week due date, that's not always a good reason for induction. There's reasons to be induced and reasons to not. But if you don't understand that, then you might end up in an induction that wasn't really necessary. So I I love that there are tools out there for you to understand what can you do to get labor going um, if that's an option. How long can you go before? And what are your options for induction? There's mm-hmm. very there's several ways to induce a labor, and many of them are natural. Some of them are medical. There's kind of that in between um, of using castor oil as an example. I've and, done that. Yeah, and oh man, so there's there's many <laughs> ways to do it, and to know, you know, we won't get into it here, but that if you know your bishop score, basically it's a it's a score talking about how ripe your cervix is, how dilated you are, just all these different things going on inside of your body that tell you how uh, likely that an induction is going to be successful for you. So again, if you know these things, then you you have a heads up on on how, how lucky or um, how useful the induction is going to be and, and what you can do moving forward with that. Yep. And just to name kind of, and I'm just going to list these off here. You have options in what you wear during birth. We've talked about that in previous episodes before. You have options as to whether or not you eat or drink food during your birth. So if you have someone telling you that you're not allowed to eat or drink anything and you didn't know that you actually have the option to, um, then you could be starving during birth unnecessarily. Other examples of options that you have during birth would be whether or not you allow the bag of waters to break on its own or have it artificially ruptured for you. That's a choice that you have, and there's pros and cons to both. Yep. Um, Along with that, an IV. I know you kind of talked about clothing. I always think about an IV going along with clothing because that's what happens when you first get to a hospital birthplace. You don't need an IV, Um, particularly if you are a low-risk birthing mama. Um, no reason for an IV. I think a lot of times what we're told is that it gives them quicker access in case of emergency. 
Um, I'm kind of wondering, like, what all of a sudden creates an emergency during a birth? Are you planning for the majority of these births to be emergencies? These, I think it's important to note, too, that, like, nurses, this is this is their forte. Their job is to know how to get into a vein quickly when needed. Um, you have the option to do a headlock, which is basically IV placement without being hooked to a bag. But the thing about an IV is that it, number one for me, is uncomfortable. I, knowing it's in my arm, even if I can still move it technically, that arm goes dead for me. If there is something in that arm, I am not going to become, I will, my mind forever during that labor is going to know exactly where that thing is and it will be a distraction to me. It will not be helping me deal with my contraction. So I do not want that in there at all. The other part about that is if you hook up to um, saline solution or something like that, it's not just water going through there. There are other chemicals, um, not like a crazy amount or anything like that, but there's other things, including salt and some other things that are going through there. So you need to be aware that that these have it's not just water. Um, also, when they when they give you the IV solution, they think you know you probably don't need to be eating and drinking because we're filling you with this stuff. And just like Courtney said, you know, it's it's so silly to tell somebody you're going to go through some of the most exerting physical stuff you've ever done. By the way, don't eat and drink. <laughs> Here's some ice chips. I know. I want to say to them. How often do you go in between eating and drinking? If it's not more than a few hours, why are we expecting pregnant laboring women to do the same? It just doesn't make any sense at all. I remember one time I was helping a mother through birth and um, the nurse came in and she goes, you know, she saw her drinking from her water bottle and she goes, I'm so sorry, you're only allowed to have ice chips. And the mom, without skipping a beat, this was not baby number one for her. She turns to him and she goes, Okay, I just like my ice chips melted. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, best response ever. How so brilliant good. is that? I love it. So smart. Okay, pushing positions. This is huge. Honestly, any position that you want to be in during birth, but I don't know what it is about. Even even women who are like, they've left them alone the entire time to be able to do whatever they want during their birth. But when it's pushing time, okay, now lean back and let's get your legs up and go ahead and push. You know, 90% of women are probably not going to choose that position if left alone. Mm-hmm. You know, how many women in other countries, as an example, that don't birth in hospitals, do you see them laying on the floor on their back? It doesn't happen. Animals included. Nobody, you see a dog, all fours in the air. I got this. <laughs> it doesn't happen like that. That's not what you, you talk about mother's intuition and all this. It drives me nuts. I have been, as a doula, supporting women who are rocking their birth. They are doing just incredible. And then that provider comes in because it's pushing time. And all of a sudden they're asking to be on the bed and they're like, wait, what? You know, when they had been in all fours or squatting down on the floor. Or, you know, that's a convenience thing. There is nothing that says that is the best position and everything that proves mostly women and how they feel, uh, but also tearing and things like that, that that is not the best position for most. No. But if you didn't know that, if you didn't know that being on your back wasn't the best position, that it narrows the outlet of the pelvic and creates less space for baby, making it harder for you. If you didn't know all that, then you're stuck pushing on your back. Yeah, particularly when you're in such a suggestive state as labor is. So you mm-hmm. somebody suggests something and you say, okay, and then you move into that thing. Um, even if your body's telling you no, you're kind of at this battle with yourself between your mind saying, but they said this, and your body saying, but this doesn't feel right. <laughs> so. so let's think about the opposite. So if you don't know your options, you don't have any, and you lose a lot of the control, I really think that's a myth that we need to dispel that – Oh, you can't control anything in birth. Why bother? Oh my gosh, you guys, you have more power than you realize. And that's that's the opposite side of this. 
When you understand what your options truly are, you have power. There is absolutely power in that. Yeah. And and when you, I think what's really important about that is particularly when you're working through labor and contractions and the feelings, the physical and emotional feelings that are going on there, um, you want to be on top of it. You want to get ahead of those things. And if you feel like you have um, suggestions coming at you that are counterintuitive to what is going to help you get on top of a contraction before it begins or whatever the case, then you really kind of start off um, not in the best space to stay on top of that labor and have that power that you're talking about. Yeah. Knowing your options also creates a more knowledgeable, comfortable birthing experience. I think that's just kind of a given um, that comes with the territory because when you when you are in the driver's seat of your birth, and that doesn't mean that you can control every single thing that gets thrown your way, but you can control your reaction. And, and there is a lot that you can, um, a lot of unnecessary things that you can avoid when you know truly what your options are. Um, an example of that would be when your baby's finally born and you've got this new little one on your chest. If you didn't know that that first 45 minutes to an hour after birth is such a psychologically sensitive bonding time for mother and baby, then, um, then what's going to happen during that time is they're going to whisk your baby away. They're going to weigh them. They're going to swaddle them up for you and then give them back to you. And you might miss out on, on that really sensitive bonding period that could happen. And of course, that doesn't mean that you can't, um, have other wonderful, and you'll continue to have great bonding moments with your baby and and your child as they grow. But there's something really special about that first hour after birth. But if you don't know to have that uninterrupted, then As a way to honor all of the mothers on here, from now through Mother's Day weekend, you can grab the My Essential Birth course and get the new bonus birth affirmations track plus matching birth affirmation cards and get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot. Or you can be one of the first five to bundle and save grabbing the My Essential Birth and Postpartum course. And I will personally send you a handmade 100% muslin cotton belly bind with your bonus tutorial video. Plus you get all the bonuses from before the birth affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot, totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. Yeah, and that goes for the the um, very physical things that are happening too. It's the it can help with breastfeeding and making mom's milk come in. And there's a lot of things that are happening for mom and baby during that time that are very sensitive. But yeah, again, you need to know before you go. So, what do you do about getting educated on these options? How do you how do you know that you'll be able to exercise your right to these options? And I think that probably the biggest piece of the puzzle here, and I've said this all along, number one is preparation. You have to get yourself armed with knowledge, um, prepared physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually for the kind of birth that you're wanting to have. And then I think second to that is is having the right provider yeah, to I, support we, you through We talk course. about this all through the birth course. You're going to hear it probably on every podcast episode, hopefully, so we drill it into everybody's brains. Your provider, minus preparation first. Courtney will get after me for this <laughs> with preparation, but your provider is the single most important thing that you can, um, can, can control, mm-hmm. um, to have the birth experience that you want to have your best birth. And something that goes hand in hand with that, I think is 
how you communicate with your birth team and how you express your preferences and all these different options that you now know that you have. And the thing is, what you're requesting might not be the norm for them. So don't be surprised if they if they don't totally love what it is that you're requesting, but they ought to be very supportive and knowing how best to communicate with them. My mom always said you attract more flies with honey than with vinegar, right? So I think understanding that in in an ideal situation, your provider and your, your health care team, that's what it should be, a team, a collaborative effort to help you have the kind of birth you want to have. And there should be a place where there can be respectful and open dialogue. Yeah, you know, I think it's funny because we get into this mode here. I, I don't know why it is, but it does exist. Um, where we go to see a doctor and we feel um, guilty either having our own opinions, disagreeing, or deciding that we want to see a different provider um, as if they have some power over that. I want you guys to understand that every provider, doctor, midwife, otherwise, um, every provider is, it's a business. You are the consumer. Um, They are providing you with services and you have the right to bring your, um, to ask for your services first from somewhere else. I know women, for example, that have, oh, well, I gave birth with them prior. Like they feel this like awkward connection, you know, like, oh, I can't, I don't, I don't have power to break that connection because they're going to feel bad or whatever. Any provider is told, they can't have a really close personal relationship. It's actually like part of what providers are taught. You can't have like an emotional relationship going on with the person that you're giving care because it can actually, um, it can inhibit good decision making. Decision making. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. So um, you don't you don't owe that provider anything and you don't have to feel bad looking for another one. I, I think it's really important. You know, I didn't learn this until, gosh, I didn't get really, really trusting of myself until after having my third baby. But it took me going through several pediatricians to realize I need to vet these guys first. You know, I need to go ask questions and we need to make sure that we're on the same page. And I don't want to have to feel like I'm a bad mom when I come in here or that I'm not producing enough breast milk and here's some formula. I have to make sure of these things. And so the same goes for when you're pregnant, you know, you can go to different providers, ask different questions. I think that's really, really important. I've had women who they will set up just getting to know you appointments with their providers before committing to an actual care appointment. And if you have that ability, I think that's always a good idea to sit and kind of let them know, this is what I would like to have for my birth. Tell me how you feel about this. You yeah, know? I think and, that's a really good And plan. if they're kind of already starting to express some differing opinions on things, then then I think that's something, well, maybe you may want to interview a couple more people before. There's never... Um, a wrong time to switch providers if that becomes necessary. I've known clients that have done that, you know, a week before they delivered or even sooner sometimes. Yep. Um, And to go along with that, I think mentioning doulas here, I know we've mentioned them before, but I think it's really important to mention them here because this is where you can have kind of a third party person that is emotionally disconnected from you and the situation is not providing you care, but is only there to support you in your decision making throughout the process. This is a really, really good person to have to bounce these ideas off of, to go to the provider, to have the questions, and then to come back to the doula and say, okay, this is, this is, these were my questions. These are how they were answered. Um, I'm kind of feeling this way. What are, what are some suggestions? And she can offer you a, a whole slew of suggestions. And then two, to have that, that per, the doula is wonderful because she follows you throughout your birth. And then she comes with you through the duration of your pregnancy, um, birth and 
likely, if you have a good doula, she'll come with you for some of that postpartum. So during labor and things like that, great. She's helped you set up all of these positive things along the way. And then during the actual birth process, everybody on your birth team, your partner, your doula, your whoever that you have on your birth team should be extremely knowledgeable about your desires. She can also help to make sure that things are going the way that you desire as that birth progresses and be a voice of reason throughout. I'm going to ask you guys here to trust us with our years of experience as childbirth educators and as doulas when we say that women who come to us and it's not their first pregnancy, um, they're coming to us with maybe pregnancy number two or three, a lot of times they're, they have some regrets because they chose to sort of wing it with their first birth that, you know, What's that like? <laughs> <laughs> they chose to wing it or they, they didn't take a they didn't do things that were really going to properly prepare them and give them the knowledge about all these different options and how to handle different situations. And and the story is often the same. This didn't go the way I wanted it to, and, and I regret that I didn't prepare myself more for it this time or last time, but I'm ready to do something different this time, and I want to make sure that I understand what I need to know about my options, that I understand how to handle different situations and how to communicate effectively with my provider. And, and that's often a big reason why they were choosing to get educated, you know, with me as a childbirth educator, as a doula. Yeah, I know that was certainly, yeah, my experience. Um, I had the bad experience first, and then I decided I never want that to happen again, and then I got crazy ultra interested in everything involving and surrounding birth. Um, You know, the goal is to start reaching women before that's the case. However, obviously, women that come to us later, um, the goal is to make sure that they feel really, really good about their next birth and that they're able to process what happened with their previous one. All right, so let's sum things up for you today on this episode. So we, the main theme was what you don't know can hurt you, and we gave lots of examples of different options in birth, and if you don't know what they are, these are the things that you're going to be left with. And then we talked about how knowing your options and being prepared gives you a more comfortable, a more manageable, and a more beautiful birth experience, and that's absolutely true. So let us end here on a positive note to just know that you can't know too much. (laughs) Keep listening to us here. Um, Make sure that you are reading and finding resources yourself. Reach out to doulas. Reach out to um, people who are telling you positive things about birth. Reach out to your care provider. Make sure you're asking the questions, the hard questions, the good questions. Um, And stay positive because it's likely that you're on your path to a really good birth. All right, mamas, we will be back with more tips and advice soon. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe so that you get notifications first about new episodes. And don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for more information on the birth course and to join our online community serving pregnant mamas just like you. 